so often throughout the course of history, patriots rise up at a time of need for truth and freedom. These people are called disciples of liberty for their undying love of freedom. The call has been sounded. Will you answer that call or sit back and let freedom die away? Unifying patriots everywhere against the evil trying to destroy America's freedom. You're listening to the Disciples of Liberty radio show on the America Out Loud Network. Now here's your host, Tim Alders. Washington, D.C., average or exceptional? I want you to use some critical thinking today on Disciples of Liberty, and I want you to ask yourself a very serious question. Are you accepting average or exceptional from your representative in Washington, D.C.? The reason I ask is it's election year. Elections are coming up. And in the state of Utah where I broadcast, we select delegates. Delegates are representatives that go to a caucus to decide who's going to run on the Republican and Democratic side. Now, we select county delegates who choose the local representative, the Utah House, Utah Senate, the county clerk, the auditor, those type of positions. And then we select state delegates that will select our congresspeople, the four in Utah, and our senator, Mike Lee's up for election this year. Now, this was a very low turnout at our caucuses. That's where we select these delegates. And some delegates were chosen by default. So, What that tells me is that on an off year, no presidential election, that many people chose not to participate. So they just let whoever show up. And there are a lot of people who already have their mindset that they either want to remove a Mike Lee or keep a Mike Lee in. They're not doing any due diligence. They're not going to go vet candidates. They're just ran for the position, took the position, or got it by default in order to do what their passions are, not yours. The second question I have for you is when you are asking yourself whether you accept average or exceptional, we have to remember that the founding fathers intended that our officials, our elected officials on both the state and federal level work for us. Government was supposed to work from the bottom up. But ask yourself, when was the last time your elected official came and talked to you and gave you sort of a state of Washington and told you what bills are being ran and what your opinion on those bills were? Because Washington, D.C., when you are elected, you choose to answer to the people who give you the biggest amounts of money, the corporations, the PACs, the special interest groups, and you tend to forget the people you're supposed to represent in Washington. This is a problem not only in Utah, but throughout the country. People have given up on the process. 
And we believe once somebody's elected, they're going to have our best interests at heart when they go back to Washington, D.C., and they're going to look at things. But let's, let's ask ourselves a question. If you ran a business, some of you might own a business, would you hire somebody to operate that business that sells your product at below cost and makes you lose money? Because most everybody we elect, either on the Republican or Democratic side, don't care enough about our economy and our children and our grandchildren. They have bankrupted them. They spend more money than they generate. So we have failed our children and our grandchildren by not reining in our politicians' spending. Another question is, look at the Ukraine. Uh, look at what our politicians have promised throughout the years. They, they promised Putin that they would not allow any of the former Soviet bloc countries to join NATO, yet they were working on allowing the Ukraine to join NATO, which would put NATO closer to the borders of Russia that Putin felt was a threat. Now let's look at the Ukraine. When the Ukraine separated from Russia, we went in and we told them, hey, if you get rid of your nuclear weapons, we will protect you. NATO will come in and defend you if Russia tries to take you over. In both situations, America at the lead of NATO and the UN failed, failed their obligations. Now, Americans might not feel that they failed your obligation or your best interest, but they failed in their foreign policy. So that's two situations where our representatives in Washington, D.C. has failed to perform their duties. And if they worked for you in a private corporation, you would have let them go probably with the first one, let alone the second one. But that's not the only situation. Let's look at the uh, hatred of a former president, uh, former President Trump in America. They hate this man so bad that they are now uh, forming a commission to investigate the January 6th protests. They call them riot. I call it protest. I was actually there. But where is the investigation of Seattle? Where is the investigation of Portland? Where is the investigation of Minnesota? Billions of dollars in damages, buildings burned, cars burned, um, deaths, lots of deaths. You had Democrats telling them to get out there and fight in the streets, yet nobody's investigating those people. Why? Because the hatred's not there. Motivation of Washington, D.C. is based on distraction, causing us to hate each other, and going after somebody who bucked the system in former President Trump. That's a third opportunity where they failed us, the American people, yet we are failing ourselves because we're not holding them accountable. We aren't telling them, hey, you represent us. You need to come talk to us before you make these stupid decisions. They have no obligation once you elect them to go back and do anything. And then they go back to Washington, D.C., and private interest gives them so much money that they then um, don't represent you anymore. They represent the people who buy them. I used to make a joke that the best investment you can make in life was to purchase your share of a congressman or senator. But you could not even afford your share of a congressman or a senator right now. 
Ask yourself, are you happy with how much milk costs, bread costs, gasoline costs? These are all created because of what your elected official, no matter what state you're from, has done in Washington, D.C. We have massive labor shortages. For some reason, the generations that have grown up in the last 20, 30 years don't want to work. I ask yourself, have you went to a fast food restaurant lately and seen the sign on the drive-thru window or on the front door that we are now closed because of labor shortages or we're open two hours a day because of the labor shortages? I've seen it here in Utah. I've tried to, to grab something at a fast food. The problem is that the younger generations don't know how to cook and they don't realize that when everybody stops working in the service industry or the manufacturing industry that... All society will eventually collapse. America was always intended to be a self-sustaining nation. We were supposed to manufacture our own goods. Now we have uh, a manufacturing deficit in America that is huge. We depend on every other nation for our manufacturing, mostly China, some India, and other Asian countries to manufacture for us because they will use child labor, forced labor to manufacture items cheaper than we can. We are not food self-sustainable in America anymore. We don't produce our own foods. We buy everything. We've allowed foreign countries like Russia and China to come in and buy our farmland, to buy our, our produce-producing produce areas of our nation. Our cattle in America, our, our cattle land is now owned in large part by foreign entities. So we're not food self-sustaining and we are not energy self-sustaining. Even though America and Utah depends, like we have areas in Utah where coal mining is huge. And instead of trying to find safer ways to mine and to protect the miners of their district, our Congress people are jumping on this, on the Republican side, climate change. John Curtis of Utah started a climate caucus in the Republican Party. Now, we have polluted our world. I agree with that. You look at the oceans filled with islands of trash and garbage. But we need to change our habit, not change our climate. I saw that sign up at the Utah Capitol, and it, it really struck me as, yes, there's things that we need to do more effectively as human beings, but we're not doing it. And our politicians aren't going to make us be any better people. Only we are responsible for how we act and behave as human beings. So elections are coming up this year. We don't have a presidential election this year, but we have a lot of House and Senate members up for re-election. Washington, D.C. is a massive circus. It's, it's chaos. It's distraction. It's making us fight with each other, hate each other, argue with each other instead of actually operating functionally as the founding fathers intended. But we as the American people don't care to end that circus because we keep electing the same way. We refuse to act differently and to elect differently. We, we choose to put the same circus performers in the same position year in, year out, time after time, 
And even though if you're conservative and your politician is ranked C by every conservative ranking system based on voting, they, they've never met a spending bill they don't like, or they've started a climate change caucus, or they're doing things that are average, but we allow them to operate average. Would you give that person a raise? Well, you're doing it. You're giving them a job when they're dysfunctional. On the Democratic side, are they exceeding your expectations or are they operating below your expectations? This is where we are dysfunctional as a society in America today. We have allowed the circus to continue. We refuse to elect differently. We buy what mainstream media is selling us. They're telling us that we cannot believe in um, this politician or that politician or the former president was a mean person and he said mean things. But was the economy better? Be honest with yourself. Even during COVID under President Trump, was the economy better? Were you paying as much as you are now for gasoline? Now, they're going to use a war in Russia and the Ukraine to tell you that's the only reason gas prices are high. But once again, be honest with yourself. Gas prices were higher and climbing higher prior to Ukraine and Russia. Grocery items in the grocery store were reaching unattainable levels for most of Americans' workforce. Just was. We were not able to afford. Inflation was killing us. Uh, Labor was short at that time. Everything will be blamed on the current crisis going on throughout the world, but it was happening prior to these crises. Now, we have situations um, brewing all over the world. We have a failed foreign policy. Let's admit that President Biden and the Democrats who are in full control are operating poorly. But will Democrats vote differently? Will Republicans support the rhinos that support the Democrats, that vote in opposition to the Constitution? I love how people like Mitt Romney from Utah will call themselves a conservative when they have no love or honor system of the Constitution, the supreme law of the land. You hear conservatives all the time say, we need to restore, we need to fight, we need to bring back the Constitution. I hate to inform those constitutionalists that the Constitution isn't gone. It isn't broken. Well, it is broken because of some amendments we put in the Constitution, but the Constitution's still there. The problem with the Constitution is we, as American citizens, we, as the people, the caretakers of this country, do not force our politicians to honor the supreme law of the land. We allow them to violate it on a daily basis. Our Supreme Court violates the law of the land. Our Congress violates the law of the land. And the executive branch, the President of the United States, has violated the law of the land. But we do not hold them accountable. Media today does not hold them accountable. So, people of America, I'm asking you, you're not dumb. You're not unintelligent. But are you going to vote 
differently in 2022. The best thing we could do for America is to replace everybody currently in office with somebody new and do that every two to four years. Let's not allow them to get so comfortable in their position that they care very little about the people who sent them to Washington. And you can see their caretaking of America dwindle the longer they're in Washington, D.C. Look at their records. Do they, once again, come meet with you? I'm asking the people of Utah because we have this caucus system. You're a state delegate. Does your federal person come and ask you, because you're the boss, you're supposed to be the boss, do they ask you whether or not you want them to vote a certain way? Do they poll you? Because you're supposed to represent your precinct. You're supposed to uh, tell your precinct that you've spoken to your congressperson on topics important to America and that you gave them the viewpoint of your area. But state delegates in, in Utah on both sides don't do their job. They show up, they cast one vote based on their passions, based on 30 seconds or 60 second commercials, and then they advocate that they've done their job, they've fulfilled their duty, and they forget about it for two more years. Now, a lot of people have been state delegates many times. They have had the opportunity many times to make change, yet they haven't. Yet, the people in their neighborhoods don't seem to care. They don't seem to push their delegates to make uh, different decisions, to act differently. So I'm urging you, the people of Utah, the people of America, act differently this year. Vote differently. Do not accept average. Go for the exceptional. Go for the person who will include you in the decision-making, who will include the state in their decision-making, both on the federal and local levels. Choose people that honestly want to represent the Constitution, who want to represent the supreme law of the land, who want to stop bankrupting our children, who want to create a better foreign policy without foreign entanglements, who wants to make America self-sufficient once again and not dependent upon the world for the important things in your life. Only you can make those decisions. I can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for the husbands. The husbands can't make it for the wives. Your children have almost no say because you had children, brought them into this world with the intentions to protect and care for them. I hope at least. Some people don't. But I, I hope the majority of the people listening to this show had the intentions that you wanted your children to be raised up in a safe and comfortable lifestyle in a, in a country where freedom reigned. But we've bankrupted them. So my generation, the generation below us, has failed our duty, our sacred duty, to protect and honor the Constitution, to hold our elected officials accountable, and to stand up for what is right. You have a chance. 2022 is here. I am going to look at the November elections, and I'm probably going to be disappointed in you as Americans yet once again. We have been preaching, conservative talk radio hosts have been preaching for years that the, the, the nation's in trouble. But if you can't look around 
the world around you and see just how dysfunctional America is today and how dysfunctional the politicians in Washington has made our nation, then the problem lies with you, not with anybody else. We had a directive by the founding fathers. We had a duty, a sacred duty, to uphold, to participate in government, and to look out for future generations. We have been poor caretakers of America. There's no two ways around it. There's no second guessing. Yeah, well, maybe we weren't that bad. No, we were awful. And we are still awful today. We have failed future generations. We have failed ourselves. We have created a nation of marshmallows, of people who just bounce around looking for their best interest and not the best interest of their friends, their neighbors, their family, and the world around them. America has failed the supreme duty that we were supposed to have to be the beacon of light for the world to see and the example, the shining example of freedom. Now, on the flip side, the second half of this show, I'm going to talk about Federalists and Anti-Federalists once again. I want you to ask yourself, are you a federal, Federalist or an Anti-Federalist? And I'll give you the differences and let you decide on the other side of this show. There are many hosts on the America Out Loud network that are preaching their passions, that some might be pro-life, some might be pro-gun, some might be anti-government, some might be constitutionalist, and they need your help. They're not doing this for massive paychecks like uh, the Ben Shapiro who says, um, and I like Ben Shapiro, don't get me wrong, I, I like what he stands for, I love what he says, I enjoy watching and listening to him. But the man charges 50000 to 100000 to go speak for the things he's supposed to be passionate about. When the people on this station speak about the things they're passionate about for free, we are caretakers. We're trying to protect you and help you learn the things that you need to to protect yourself. How you can participate with this is if you listen to a show or you find something that you like, you share it on social media. I know Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram, they hate you sharing things that go against what the mainstream media is trying to tell you is the correct way to act and behave. But you can still do it, and you should do it. That's the least you should do. You should really get out and vet candidates and ask them the serious questions like, why have you bankrupted our children? Why do you vote this way? Because, folks, only you can hold them accountable. But I'm asking you to participate in other ways. Support the host. Help people. If you don't like this show, find a show that you can connect with, whether it be somebody on this network or the Ben Shapiros or other people. Um, try to get more away from mainstream media, but don't just listen to what a radio host tells you is fact. Verify it. Verify facts. We don't verify facts very well. We just look what we see in print on social media that some uh, crazy friend might post as fact from some unreliable source, and we believe it. Oh, this has to be the truth. It's written right in front of me. It's printed, and we only print the truth. That's not the case in the world today. 
Uh, many untruths are printed and spoken. So you have to make intelligent decisions. You have to vet what you're reading, vet what you're doing, and vet the people who are supposed to care and represent you, the people of this great nation. See, America's not great because of the people in Washington, D.C. America was always great because of the people in the states, the people who the people in Washington, D.C. were supposed to represent. We were supposed to make them exceptional, not average. So, folks, it's up to you this year. Are you going to accept average or go for the exceptional? I can't make that decision for you. I can tell you what I want you to do, but you have to decide. And if you also want to help shows like this and this network, go to heavensbrew.com. If you're a coffee drinker, especially, and you like uh, superb, great, awesome coffee, and I've had this tested by coffee drinkers, from anywhere throughout the world, you can find it on heavensbrew.com and have it delivered straight to your door, and you can enjoy the best coffee around the world in your own home. Until the uh, second half of this show, folks, take care. Think about what I said and decide whether or not you want to share this show on your social media. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko knows a thing or two about the immune system. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize for his early COVID-19 treatments, and now he's offering his Z-Stack supplements to our listeners at a discount. Just go to zstacklife.com slash freedom. That's zstacklife.com slash freedom. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. 
Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Welcome back to the Disciples of Liberty. Welcome to the trenches, folks. You are here. You are participating. So thank you for listening to this show. And thank you for listening to the America Out Loud Network. I told you we'd talk a little bit about Federalists and Anti-Federalists. I consider myself an Anti-Federalist. But I'm going to give you the option so you can look and see who you are. In U.S. history, Anti-Federalists were those who opposed the development of a strong federal government. And the ratification of the Constitution in 1788 preferred instead for the power to remain in the hands of state and local government. Federalists, on the other hand, wanted a stronger national government and the ratification of the Constitution to help properly manage the debt and tensions following the American Revolution. Formed by Alexander Hamilton, the Federalist Party, which existed from 1792 to 1824, was the culmination of American federalism and the first political party in the United States. John Adams, the second U.S. president of the United States, was the first and only Federalist president. Now, once again, I tell you that if what the anti-Federalists would have wanted for America would have happened... We would not be facing situations we are facing today. States would still retain the majority of the power. If you remember, any power not delegated to the federal government was reserved and kept by the states and the people of those states. Now, I'm going to give you some simple comparison of an anti-federalist and a federalist. A federalist in U.S. history wanted a stronger national government, like I said, and the ratification of the Constitution to help properly manage the debt tensions. Now, the anti-federalist in U.S. history, um, those were the people who were opposed the development of a strong federal government and the ratification of the Constitution, preferring instead for the power to remain in the hands of the state and local government. Now, here is the position of the Federalist and Anti-Federalist on the monetary policies. The Federalists believed and felt that many individual and different uh, fiscal and monetary policies led to the economic struggles and national weakness favored central banking and central financial policies. So the Federalists have won out on that cause in America with the um, – the reserve banking and the situations we have. Now, the anti-federalists felt that states were free agents, that they should manage their own revenue and spend their money as they saw fit. Imagine America today if your state was able to match its spending with its belief systems. Um, the position on the Constitution, of course, I said it earlier, the federalist 
proposed and supported it, and the Anti-Federalists opposed until inclusion of the Bill of Rights. So the Anti-Federalists were the people who got you your Bill of Rights, although they wanted more because they felt people would be negligent in their caretaking of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. So they wanted more freedoms granted to the states and more Bill of Rights. Now, who were the strongest and best-known Federalists? Well, you had on the Federalist side Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, John Jay, and John Adams, believe it or not. On the Anti-Federalists, you had Thomas Jefferson, James Monroe, Patrick Henry, and Samuel Adams. Now, the Federalists and Anti-Federalists debated tons in the making of the U.S. Constitution. The American Revolution was costly, and it left the colonies in an economic depression. The debt and remaining tensions, perhaps best summarized by a conflict in Massachusetts known as the Shays Rebellion, led some founding political members in the U.S. to desire for more concentrated federal power. The thought was that this concentrated power would allow for standardized fiscal and monetary uh, policies and for more consistent conflict management. However, a more nationalistic identity was the antithesis of some founding political members' ideals for the developing states. Remember, at this time, they were colonies. They had just become states. They were still developing. They were still creating um, how they were going to operate together as a compact. A more centralized American power seemed reminiscent of the uh, power of the English crown that had so recently and controversially been defeated in the American Revolution. The potential consequence of centralized fiscal and monetary policies were especially frightening for some, reminding them of the unfair taxation that England put upon the colonists. Anti-Federalists were closely tied to rural landowners and farmers who were conservative in their thought process and staunchly independent. They believed they could take care of themselves, they could provide for their families, they could provide for their neighbors and their churches. The most important parts of this debate were decided in the 1700s and the early 1800s in U.S. history. And the Federalist Party dissolved centuries ago, right? But the battles between Federalist and Anti-Federalist ideologies continue today in America. You have left and right-wing American politics. Left support more the Federalist view, and the right leans more towards the Anti-Federalist view. To better understand the history behind this ongoing ideological debate, we have to look at what happened in America. Don't take my word on it. Research the Anti-Federalist speeches. Research the Anti-Federalist papers. Then look at the Federalist and decide for yourself what you are. Prior to the Constitution, there was the Articles of Confederation, a 13-article agreement between the 13 founding colonies that covered issues of state sovereignty, um, theoretically equal treatment of citizens, congressional development and delegation, international diplomacy, armed forces, fundraising, a supermajority lawmaking, the U.S.-Canadian relationship, 
and war debt. That's the Articles of Confederation in a nutshell. It was very weak agreement on which to base a nation on. So weak, in fact, that the document never once refers to the United States of America as being part of a national government, but rather a firm league of friendship between colonies. This is where the concept of the United States, a group of roughly um, and ideologically united individual ruling bodies, comes from. In the naming of the country, the Articles of Confederation took years for the 13 states to ratify, with Virginia being the first to do so in 1777 and Maryland being the last in 1781. With the Articles of Confederation, Congress became the only form of federal government, but it was crippled by the fact that it could not fund any of the resolutions it passed. While it could print money, there was no solid regulation of this money, which led to swift and deep depreciation of the value of money. We're printing money today. Is it holding its value? No. When Congress agreed to a certain rule, it was primarily up to the states to individually agree to fund it, something they were not required to do. Though Congress asked for millions of dollars in the 1780s, they received less than $1.5 million over the course of three years, from 1781 to 1784. This efficient and ineffective governance led to economic woes and eventually, in small scale, a rebellion. Now, as George Washington's chief of staff, Alexander Hamilton saw firsthand the problems caused by a weak federal government, particularly those which stemmed from a lack of centralized fiscal and monetary policies. With Washington's approval, Hamilton assembled a group of nationalists at the 1786 Annapolis Convention, also known as the Meeting of Commissioners, to remedy defects of the federal government. Here, delegates from several states wrote a report on the conditions of the federal government and how it needed to be expanded if it was to survive its domestic turmoil and international threats as a sovereign nation. So, America under the Articles of the Confederation was not working. It was never going to work. So, in 1788... The Constitution replaced the Articles of Confederation, greatly expanding the powers of the federal government with its current 27 amendments. The U.S. Constitution still remains the supreme law of the United States of America, allowing it, the national national government, to define, protect, and tax the citizens. Its development and relatively quick ratification was perhaps just as much the result of widespread dissatisfaction with a weak federal government uh, as it was support for the constitutional document. Federalist. Those who identified with federalism as part of a movement were the main supporters of the Constitution. They were aided by a federalist sediment that had gained traction across many factions, uniting political figures all across the 13 colonies. This does not mean there was no heated debate over the Constitution's drafting. The most zealous anti-federalists, loosely headed by Thomas Jefferson, fought against the Constitution's ratification. 
Most people don't understand that Jefferson did not want the Constitution, even though he played a huge role in the creation of the Constitution, ratified, particularly because those amendments which gave the federal government fiscal and monetary power. An ideology war raged between the two factions, resulting in the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist Papers, a series of essays written by various figures, some anonymously, some not, for and against the ratification of the United States Constitution. Ultimately, the Anti-Federalists greatly influenced the document, pushing for strict checks and balances in certain limited political terms that would keep any one branch of the federal government from holding too much power for too long. The Bill of Rights, the term used for the first 10 amendments of the Constitution, are especially about personal individual rights and freedoms. These were included partially to satisfy the Anti-Federalist. Now, after the Ten Amendments, the Federalists won out and were able to get Bill of Rights 11 through 27, many of which weakened the Constitution, many of which went in opposition of the Anti-Federalists, and many of which puts us in our current situation today. Among the Anti-Federalists, some of the most prominent figures were Thomas Jefferson, James Monroe, Jefferson was often considered a leader among the Anti-Federalists. Other prominent Anti-Federalists include Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, and Richard Henry Lee. One of my favorite. If you read what Richard Henry Lee wrote, you will see why he is one of my favorites. I'm not going to tell you. I expect you to go research these Anti-Federalists yourself and see where you lie on the Federalist-Anti-Federalist debate because it'll help you this election year. Alexander Hamilton, a former chief of staff to George Washington, was a prominent uh, proponent of a strong federal government and founded the Federalist Party. He helped oversee the development of a national bank and a taxation system. Other prominent Federalists of the time, including John Jay and John Adams, other figures such as James Madison greatly supported Hamilton's Federalist intentions for a constitution and national identity but disagreed with Alexander Hamilton's fiscal policies and were more likely to side with anti-federalists on matters of money. What I find interesting is America in the beginning had a left, a right, and a middle. Where are we today? Left, right, or middle? Now, without Madison's influence, which included acceptance of the anti-federalist desire for a Bill of Rights, it's unlikely that the U.S. Constitution would have ever been ratified, and the United States of America would have never come about. So we have to look. So here are some favorite quotes from Federalist and Anti-Federalist. James Madison, a Federalist, quote, one can hardly expect the state legislators to take enlightened views of national affairs, unquote. Now, what he was saying there is that States will have their best interests in mind and not look at a national view for the compact of all the colonies, all the new states together. This is a problem for them. Now, Thomas Jefferson, famous anti-federalist, I quote, you say that I have been dished up to you as an anti-federalist and you ask me if it be just. 
My opinion was never worthy enough of notice to merit citing, but since you ask it, I will tell you, I am not a Federalist because I never submitted the whole system of my opinions to the creed of any party of men whatsoever, in religion, in philosophy, in politics, or in anything else. Where I was capable of thinking for myself, such an addiction is the last degradation of a free and moral agent. If I could not go to heaven but with a party, I would not go there at all. Therefore, I am not of the party of Federalist, unquote. Very powerful, correct? That Jefferson wanted free thinking. He wanted free thought. He wanted you to have the ability to succeed or fail, fail based on your own merits, not to be lifted up by those with more drive, more ambition, and more talent than you. This is the problem with America. Now, Alexander Hamilton in Federalist Paper number 23, a renowned Federalist, said, quote, that if we are in earnest about giving the Union energy and duration, we must abandon the vain project of legislating upon the states in their collective capacities. We must extend the laws of the federal government to the individual citizens of America. We must discard the fallacious scheme of quotas and requisitions is equally impractical and unjust, unquote. So he was saying that you cannot allow states to make the decisions for the country on a whole because they will put their citizens above others. A true statement. But now you have states with huge populations that want their beliefs forced on conservative states with smaller populations and they do not want us to have any say now this is a quote from a farmer and planter an anti-federalist paper number 26 unknown writer of origin but it's important quote congress of our future lords and masters are to have power to lay and collect taxes duties imposts and excises Excise is a new thing in America, and few country farmers and planters know the meaning of it, unquote. What he's saying is that they were giving the federal government powers that many in America didn't even understand at that time. John Jay in Federalist Paper Number 2, quote, Nothing is more certain than the indispensable necessity of government. And it is equally undeniable that whenever and however it be instituted, that the people must cede to it some of their natural rights in order to vest it with requisite powers, unquote. So basically, the Federalists were telling the people of the colonies that in forming this union, this compact between colonies to make these states, they had to give up something. They had to sacrifice some of their decision-making to a federal government. This is really a scary thought because with the gaining of power, people desire more power. That's human nature. And when you secede and give away some of your thought process to somebody else, they start to demand more and more. Leodonis a pseudonym in the Anti-Federalist paper, number 48, quote, this being the beginning of American freedom, 
it is very clear the ending will be slavery. For it cannot be denied that this Constitution is, in its first principles, highly and dangerously oligarchical. And it is everywhere agreed that a government administered by a few is, of all governments, the worst, unquote. So what he was saying is the Constitution alone, without the Bill of Rights, gave people the hunger and the desire to dominate, to command, and to control your lives. I'm reading a few of these because I want you to decide if you're really left or right the way mainstream media today labels you. James Madison in Federalist Paper number 14, quote, it is that in a democracy, the people meet and exercise the government in person. In a republic, they assemble and administer it by their representative and agents. A democracy consequently must be confined to a small spot. A republic may be extended over a large region, unquote. This is where in the first half of this show, I told you we have failed our civic duty because we're a republic. A democracy only works, say, if New York was a democratic state because then their belief system, their learning, their um, values could be dominant over their small area. And in a republic, you have to take the considerations of um, everybody at the same value system. And we don't want to do that. Um, There are many discussions that we need to have as Americans. There are quotes on the Federalist Papers, the Constitutional Center. There are quotes from the Anti-Federalist Papers. Um, There are great writings of federalism in U.S. history. There are great writings on anti-federalism in U.S. history. The problem with us as Americans today is we allow people with agendas, politicians, mainstream media, uh, the owners of these medias have their own agendas. And their own agenda might not include what's best for you and your family. We allow them to tell you what the founding fathers intended. But if you've ever read the writings of the founding fathers, you can see which ones wanted a strong and controlling federal government. You can see which ones wanted the states to reign supreme. So this is how we got the great compromise of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Because the government was not supposed to be able to intrude on those first 10 Bill of Rights. And they were given very specific jobs which they were allowed to do and nothing else. Everything else was reserved to the states in the original 10 Amendments. That powers not delegated to the federal government was reserved and maintained by the states and the people. We've lost that. We've allowed greedy, immoral, power-hungry members of Congress and members of our state legislators, legislatures to ruin a document that was created by the right, the left, and the middle. A document that allowed for discussions. A document that allowed for us to protect our value systems in our state. Because Utah has a different set of values than Texas. 
then California, then New York, then Florida, then North Dakota, then Nebraska, Tennessee, Maine, um, New Jersey. Everybody has a different value system based on the belief system they were raised under. Freedom of religion came about because every one of the 13 colonies were of a different value system, a different religion, and a different mindset. They did not want a federal government telling you what you had to believe, what you had to do, and how you had to operate. Now, once again, we are on an election year. Washington is a circus. It's dysfunctional. You talk to people on the supposed left, Democrats, they hate the government. You talk to people on the right, Republicans, they hate the government. If we are all so unhappy with the government, why do we continue to allow them to get reelected and operate the way we don't like? This is a huge question that we have to address and ask ourselves. Why is it that we accept average over exceptional? Why is it that we allow people to dominate our lives? Folks, I can't answer this question for you. I can answer it for me. Me alone and the listeners of this show do not have the numbers necessary to change Washington, D.C., Any politician in your state, in your locale, that is telling you they can fix Washington, D.C. is lying to you. The only people that can fix Washington, D.C. resides on the other side of that mirror you look in. We might not agree on social issues. We might not agree on many things. But we should all agree with one thing, that our current government is operating outside the limits of the Constitution, that they are violating their sacred duty. They are violating the trust of the people they were elected to represent. We need to urge the Supreme Court to get rid of Citizens United. We need to stop allowing lobbyists more access to our politicians than we have. We need to demand that whoever we select to go back to Washington and represents us spends more time talking to us than talking to people who want to destroy our nation. Now, I don't know if any of you, if this is going to resonate with anybody out there, I don't know if you're going to care enough to share this and tell people that, that, hey, this is how we need to operate. Because right now, government wants us fighting. They want you hating me. They want me hating you. Because if we hate each other and we focus on that hatred, then we don't focus on the fact that they're bankrupting our children. We don't focus on the fact that America is not energy efficient, that America is not self-sustaining in manufacturing, in food production, or in energy production. We could be in all of the categories above. We have been. Right now, we rely on our enemies, at least enemies as labeled by our government and the media. We rely on our enemies for our survival. Is that a smart way to operate? Is that how you'd operate your family? Is that how you'd operate your own personal business? Is that how you want your life dictated to you? 
I only ask the questions because I want you to use your critical thought process. I want you to research. I want you to go read the Federalist and Anti-Federalist papers. I want you to decide if you like the current government we have today or the government intended by the founding fathers. And if you want the government intended by the founding fathers, we need to change Washington, D.C. And the only way to get the hooks of the power-hungry elites out of Washington, D.C. is to cut off and replace everybody they own and control. Let's do it, folks. 2022, let's make it the year. I have very, very uh, limited hope that this will happen, that we as Americans will stand up and do what is right this election season. But I can hope and pray, and God bless each and every one of you. Love your neighbor, love your family, and accept the differences we have. You're listening to the America Out Loud Network, a network of free and individual thinkers. You might not like me, but I'm sure you can find somebody you like and share that show. Share what's being involved. And if you want to learn some of the Constitution, some of where your liberties and freedoms come from, my book, Origins of Liberty, is in the bookstore here. Get it, like it, share it. And this year, let's dare to be different and demand exceptional over average. Till next time. Come to see, then join in the fun. Look down deep into the-